standing in honor of God's Word. We're continuing on through the book of Proverbs. And this morning we will look at Proverbs 6, or excuse me, 5, 6, and 7, but I'm just going to read uh, Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. This is God's inspired, inerrant, authoritative word. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion, and your lips may guard knowledge. From the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life, her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others, and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan, when your flesh and body are consumed, and you say, how I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers, or incline my ear to instructors. I am in the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing waters from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone, and not for strangers with you, let your fountain be always blessed, and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman, and brace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, I want to ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, each person will hear what they need to hear this morning. If they need teaching, may you instruct if it's rebuking. May you bring about correction if it's training in righteousness. May you lead us on the right path so that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work that you have for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you're new with us, one of the things you know about our church is that we are committed to expository preaching, which simply means working through different books of the Bible. Uh, this is important because it allows God to speak for himself. And as the reformers were fond of saying, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. One of the upsides of expository preaching is that you are forced to address issues that you otherwise wouldn't address. One of the downsides of expository preaching is that you are forced to address issues you otherwise wouldn't address. <laughs> This last week, I was talking to someone on the phone, and not from this church, and they said, what are you speaking on this week? And I said, 
avoiding adultery. And there was this silence, <laughs> like, I wonder why you're addressing that. And I said, I'm working my way through the book of Proverbs, and that's the next section in the book of Proverbs. Uh, if you look in the bulletin, uh, you'll notice that this section covers all of chapter 5, uh, most of chapter 6, and all of chapter 7. Almost three full chapters. So my hope is that none of you have any plans this afternoon. <laughs> um, but think about that. Almost three full chapters. That does raise an obvious question. Why does Solomon spend so much time addressing this issue of moral purity in marriage? Now, there are many answers to that question. But first of all, it is because it is going to be a serious problem for his young son. He knows what is coming, and he wants to prepare his young son to stand strong against temptation. He also knows the devastating consequences of sin that can result if you give in to this temptation. And unfortunately for King Solomon, he knew from personal experience. In 1 Kings 11, 3 and 4, we're told about King Solomon that he had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his hearts. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. His heart turned away because he couldn't resist temptation and control himself. It's interesting that we read this in Proverbs 5, 8, 9. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others. Now that word honor is, is interesting. It can also be translated glory or majesty or splendor. That's significant because Proverbs was narrowly written to instruct his son to prepare for a life of royalty. He is being prepared to be a king. And what will immorality due to the glory, the splendor, and the majesty of his kingdom. It'll bring it down. And if you want a modern-day example, many of you know what I'm talking about if I just mention the name Prince Andrew. So Solomon is seeking to protect his son. These sections are preventative medicine so that his son can avoid adultery. Uh, if you're taking notes, uh, I have four points on how to avoid adultery. Number one, listen to your parents. Number two, recognize your vulnerability. Number three, consider the consequences. Number four, enjoy your wife. Number five, live Coramdale. In other words, in the presence of God. So listen to your parents. Verse 1 again. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. 
that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. And then if you drop down to verse 7. And now, O sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go the, near the door of her house. The flow of thought here is very simple. Son, listen to me and my instruction, and you will get discretion and wisdom and understanding, and then you will keep away from this woman. You will resist this woman. And that theme is everywhere in Proverbs. Turn ahead to chapter 6, verse 20, if you're there. My son, keep your father's commandments. And forsake not your mother's teaching. We don't want to overlook the mothers here. Also keep your mother's teaching. Bind them around your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a lamp, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life to preserve you from the evil woman from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. And this is how chapter 7 ends in the last two verses. Chapter 7, 24 and 25. Or excuse me, it's towards the end of the chapter. And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. Solomon is saying it again and again. Listen to your parents. And if you listen to your parents, you will not give in to her. Why is this the first point? This is where wisdom begins after the fear of the Lord. Listen to your parents. Listen to mom and dad. Show me a a young person, and I'm getting older, so a young person for me is a person in their teens, their 20s. If they're walking in integrity, that began by listening to their parents. That began with honoring their father and their mother. And that shouldn't be surprising because there's a wonderful promise attached to the fifth commandment, honoring your father and mother. And we're told that's the first commandment with a promise. If you obey this commandment, God says, I'll actually give you a promise. I'll promise you that I will do this for you if you honor your father and mother. Deuteronomy 5.16. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long. Want long days? Honor your father and mother. And that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Do you want life to go well with you? God says, if you honor your father and mother, I promise you, it will go well with you. I will bless you. Now, obviously, if your parents are going against God's word, you can discount that. But otherwise, we're called to honor our parents, to honor our father and mother. So that's the first point. So to avoid adultery, number one, listen to your parents. Number two, 
recognize your vulnerability. Verse 3, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil. In other words, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Yes, honey is sweet. It's delicious. But this woman is anything but a sweetie. Verse 4. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Here's a question I have for you. How many politicians do we know that have succumbed to this type of woman, this honey trap, who are ready to cut them to pieces because she's sharp as a two-edged sword? But it's not just politicians. It's also businessmen, and it's even ordinary people. And, of course, I should mention that even Ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ are not immune. I was told many years ago, and this is good counsel, and uh, I saw that Spurgeon said this, but then I saw another quote that went back even to the Puritans. But regardless of where it originated, I found it very helpful. And the advice was this. Whenever you hear of a minister that fell, save yourself. He fell yesterday. I may fall today. And, and I have, by the grace of God, as far as I can remember, uh, at least on most occasions, I do say that to myself. And, and I've noticed that over the years, it's had a wonderful effect on me. Even recently, I heard about some elders in the church who didn't make a wise choice. And I, and I hear that, and I, and I tremble. Because I... I think, but for the grace of God. They made a foolish mistake yesterday. I can make a foolish mistake tomorrow. And it could affect many people. So a great place to begin is understanding our, our vulnerability. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let anyone who stands take heed lest he fall. And if you want to stay in the book of Proverbs, we can consider 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So to avoid adultery, listen to your parents. Recognize your vulnerability. Number three, consider the consequences. The, the list here could be long, but let me just highlight a few. Proverbs 5, verse Three again, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as a wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. The King James Version translates it hell. And then we see something very similar in Proverbs 7. 25 to 27, right at the end of the chapter. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim she has laid low, and all her slain are mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, 
Or we could say her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Solomon saying, she can destroy your life and your soul. Now, by the way, we're, we're talking about men here being warned. And, of course, the reason for that is because Solomon is instructing his son. Uh, I think you can easily reverse all this and make the application in the other direction, ladies. I trust that you can, that you can do that. Uh, let's continue on with uh, verse 8, chapter 5. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed, and you say, how I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Now, there's, there's a lot in those verses that we could talk about, but here's the big picture. Giving in to this kind of sin can ruin your entire life, can ruin your marriage, can ruin your family, can ruin your reputation, your ministry, whether it's formal ministry or informally. It can do tremendous damage to your church. This kind of sin is devastating. Back on July 9th of 2002, the Guardian posted this headline. Former NFL star Steve McNair was killed by jealous girlfriend. Police say lover shot Super Bowl quarterback four times and then killed herself after suspecting, suspecting he was seeing another woman. She was absolutely devastated. So often we hear it said, my sin doesn't affect everybody. What a lie. Our sin, whether we realize it or not, if we see the direct consequences, affects everybody. Ten Commandments, we're told that often the sins of the father are passed on to the third and the fourth generation. Our sins have a great impact, and it would be wise of us to consider the consequences so how do we avoid adultery? Listen to your parents. Recognize your vulnerability. Consider the consequences. Number four, enjoy your own spouse. Fifteen, drink water from your own cistern, flowing waters from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be always blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer and a graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Are you thirsty? Drink from your own cistern. And I take it that you understand the metaphor. 
And some of you may be wondering, how much can we drink? Well, you can drink so much that you may actually become intoxicated. Verse 19. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Now, I, I know in our culture, that's, that's not really compliments. Uh, maybe the parallel today would be, you know, we see an attractive woman. and we, She's a fox. Back in ancient Israel, if there were two young men and they know an attractive woman, they say, look at her. She's a deer. So they, just a different, different culture. So trust me, this, this, was, this was a compliment. A lovely deer. A graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Normally, intoxication, drunkenness is a sin, but there is one exception. It is allowed in your marriage. We find the same thing in Song of Songs, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, and the friends are saying to this couple in love, eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. Isn't that wonderful? Be drunk with love. Maybe sometime during our, our time of confession, I, I should ask, uh, how many of you are struggling with intoxication? <laughs> with your spouse, and maybe our confession should be, Lord, Forgive me for not being drunk enough. <laughs> this is the call that, that God has for us. And when it comes to the marriage bed, this is a pleasure that God has created. And by the way, God is the designer of all pleasures. Where do all pleasures come from? Where do they originate? They come from the throne of God. C.S. Lewis has, has a great insight in, in his book, Screwtape Letters. And in case you don't know, Screwtape Letters is a by, by a demon, written by, uh, obviously, C.S. Lewis. But he imagines uh, a senior demon named Screwtape. And he's writing to an understudy demon. And he's instructing him on how to get at Christians, how to bring them down. And let me just read one section, and remember that in these letters, uh, God, God, is the, God is the enemy. This is what he says. Never forget that when we, it's talking about the demons, are dealing with any pleasure in its healthy and normal and satisfying form, we are, in a sense, on the enemy's ground. I know we have won many a soul through pleasure, all the same, it is his invention, not ours. All our research so far has not enabled us to make one pleasure. All we can do is to encourage the humans to take the pleasures which our enemy has produced at times or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden. The, the pleasures come from God. The only thing the devil can do is distort these pleasures so that they're not enjoyed within the bounds that God 
has established. So how do we avoid adultery? We enjoy the pleasure of marriage that God has established for us. So again, how do you avoid adultery? Listen to your parents. Recognize your vulnerability. Consider the consequences. Enjoy your spouse. And number five, live quorum deo. Live in the presence of God. Chapter 5, verse 20. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. Live in the presence of God. This is what Kent Hughes said in his book, Disciplines of a Godly Man. Dietrich Bonhoeffer made the observation that when lust takes control, at that moment, God loses all reality. Satan does not fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness. Of God. And then Hugh says, What a world of wisdom there is in this statement. When we are in the grip of lust, the reality of God fades. This is what lust does to us, and it has done it millions of times. And it's not just lust, it's it's any sin. When we're enticed by sin and we want to give in. The first thing that happens is God, God fades away, and we just forget that we live our lives in the presence of God. God is here. God sees. God cares about what I'm doing right now. And perhaps the, the clearest and best example that we find in all of Scripture is from Joseph. He's taken into slavery and he's working for Potiphar and Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him again and again and again. She says, come lie with me. She's not even subtle. Come lie with me. I wonder what she means. And what is Joseph's response? How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. And I, and I imagine Potiphar's wife going, who, who, who are you talking about? I, God's not here. Joseph would say, yes, he is. He is with me at all times. He is an omnipresent God. I live in his presence. And it is obvious that in that moment, Joseph is living with an awareness of God's presence. If I do this, if I give in to you, it'll be displeasing to God. So he said, no. She didn't give up. Persistent. She comes at him again. Grabs his coat. She lets him have it. And then he runs. What an example. Flee. How was he able to do that? Because he lived in the presence of God. Coram Deo wasn't just a nice slogan. It was a reality in his life. He really was aware that the eyes of God are upon him. And he went through basically 13 years of hell. 
Slaves just go down, down, down. And in the midst of that, he's still trusting God. I think he would agree with Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he sells me into slavery, throws me in a dungeon, I will trust him. I will still honor him with my holiness. What a wonderful example for all of us. And not just married people, single people as well. If you single people are feeling left out here, remember, Joseph was single. Joseph could, could have been listening to this message and saying, well, I can't benefit from point number four. The rest of you can, but I can't. I'm at a disadvantage. Joseph was single, just like any of you guys. He's in his 30s. And yet he said no, because he wanted, wanted to honor God. We need to be careful. Proverbs twenty-two fourteen, 14 uh, actually is a, is a fascinating verse. I remember reading this years ago, and I was stumbling over it and trying to make the connection. It didn't seem to fit at first. Proverbs twenty-two fourteen, The mouth of forbidden women is a deep pit. Not just a pit, a deep pit. He with whom the Lord is angry will fall into it. So if God is angry with you, you fall into it. Other translations say, he who is abhorred of the Lord. That's the King James Version. Uh, Wolke translates it. He who is cursed of the Lord will fall into it. And I thought, that's, that's interesting. It does, I had to think about that for a while because the flow didn't make sense. I thought it would say, you know, he who gives into sin, you know, or excuse me, he who, let me get this straight, he who gives in to this woman will be cursed of God. But it's actually the other way around. He who is first cursed or abhorred of God is angry with, he is the one who will give in to this temptation. And this is the point, and this is why I'm being specific here. Sometimes giving in to sin, such as adultery here, is the result of God being previously displeased with you, and now this is the judgment. We find the same thing in Romans 1. Romans 1. What is the punishment for sin? More sin. You give in to a little sin, God will say, fine, you want that? Guess what? I'll give you a bigger sin. So it's a reminder that we want to please God. So if we please God, stating it in a positive way, then we will not give in. And that's exactly what Ecclesiastes says. And I find something more bitter than death. The woman whose heart is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her. But the sinner is taken by her. So here's, here's the main message. Please God. Walk with God. Honor God. And when you do that, the result is God will rescue you. God will watch over you, and you will not give in. We need the help of God. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, just recently, someone asked me about my conversion, and 
and how it was that I, that I stopped doing drugs. And I said, I can remember very clearly. I, I started going to church, and God was convicting me. What are you doing with your life? I'm not doing anything with my life. I'm, I'm living for the weekend. And I realized, i got to stop doing this. this. This isn't right. This isn't pleasing to God. And I, I tried to stop doing drugs. And, and I tell people when I share my testimony, and God did something wonderful in my life. He let me fail. He let me fall flat on my face. And I can still remember the last time I ever did drugs. I can remember exactly where I was in my house. I can remember almost exactly what I prayed. I said, Lord, I tried. I can't do it on my own. You have to take this away. And by the grace of God, he set me free. I wish I could say that about all the sins in my life. <laughs> but he set me free. And I say God let me fail because what it showed, showed me is you can't do this on your own, Wayne. If, if I would have gotten my act together, I would have thought, I got my act together. What's wrong with you? Can't you get your act? I got my act together. So I tell people, I didn't quote unquote get my act together. I'm telling you, I'm not being overly spiritual here. God delivered me. God set me free. I must give him the honor and the glory. So when it comes to avoiding adultery or any sin for that matter or any temptation, I would say yes, listen to your parents. Recognize your vulnerability. Consider the consequences. Enjoy your wife. But ultimately, we must live Coramdale. We must live in the presence of God. We must live with an awareness that we are dependent upon his grace every moment of every day. So that when we say, but for the grace of God, go I, we mean it. Because we know there's no other explanation for why we stand as we do as Christians. Let's close the prayer. Father, how we thank you for your word, even those passages that make us uncomfortable. Thank you that it teaches us and instructs us in the way of wisdom and discretion. Thank you that it rebukes us when we part from the way of, of wisdom. We thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your gentle correction on how you get us back on the right path when we stray. Father, thank you that you do train us in righteousness so that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Father, I pray for each one of us that you would equip us to be the godly men and women you're calling us to be. That's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.